Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is John Tarnoff. He is a career transition coach and spiritual psychologist supporting mid-late career professionals, C-level leaders, and top performers to transform, re-image, and pivot to meaningful second act careers over 50. John, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Amy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So how did you become a career coach? Right. Well, it was not on my career path. I come out of the entertainment business. I was a film studio executive and producer for 35 years, but somewhere along the line in that, around the time that I was turning 50, I had this reckoning in my career. I had I'd kind of taken a bit of a sabbatical out of entertainment. I was, I was in the tech bubble in the 90s. I had this startup. And sure enough, when 2001 hit and the whole bubble burst and the tech market tanked, my little startup tanked along with it. And I thought, what am I gonna do? I was about to turn 50. And I thought, you know, I don't wanna go back to the jobs that I was doing before. Um, I, I wanna kind of figure something out, something out that's new. And I decided to go back to school and take this spiritual psychology program. And this is a program which focuses, it's kind of a branch of positive psychology. It focuses on self-responsibility and self-forgiveness as a vehicle to self-awareness, better relationships, and overall success. And it completely kind of flipped the script for me in terms of what I wanted to do. And I found myself becoming much more interested in people and what made people successful in their jobs as opposed to in the content business, always focusing on the story and the script and all of that. And I I got this amazing job working in the business at DreamWorks Animation for most of the 2000s where I was working on people initiatives. And that kind of got me into the whole people business. And when I left DreamWorks in 2010, my intention was to go out and start consulting in the kind of human potential area, in entertainment and technology. And I fell into this career coaching thing. And I'll tell you why that happened because I realized that in the wake of the recession, 2008, 2009, baby boomers were having a hell of a time reconciling the loss of value in their nest eggs, the loss of value in their homes, their ability to retire, and the lack of jobs that were out there. And I thought, I can help. And so that's where I started doing it. It's amazing. So how do you help individuals fit in an employer into what they do rather than the other way around? Right. So you're hitting into this kind of key differentiator in my practice, which is to be candidate-centric, not employer-centric. And look, we've all been through the mill here on how do you get a new job? Well, you know, in the old days, you would type up your resume and you would send it out with a cover letter to all of the open positions out there and you would expect someone to get back to you and say, let's set up an interview. Well, those days are gone. Doesn't work that way anymore. The average recruiter spends about seven seconds looking over a resume or the applicant tracking system is looking for the keywords. And it's even if you're not over 50, it's a really hard way to get to work. So my thought about this is that rather than try to fit yourself into a job that's posted somewhere and where you can put, well, maybe 
30, 40, maybe 50, maybe 60% of your value into that position. And then you've got all these different jobs out there that you're trying to get. And it kind of dilutes your sense of who you are because you're trying to be a chameleon. And in these crazy times that we're living in, that I believe is a prescription for failure. And what you really want to do is double down on who you are, the value that you provide, the best jobs that you can do, not just the job that you kind of garden variety could do if you could fit into it. You want to really define your niche. And that really is the challenge. Why is it valuable to be 50 in the marketplace? Well, we were talking a little bit about this before the call. When you get to a certain point in your career, you've been doing this for 30 years, you know a lot. You know a lot of people. You've crossed a lot of bridges. Hopefully you haven't burned any. Uh, you have learned a lot about you know, where you're going to be in your life. And so this value, if you can harness it, is a tremendous asset for you. And the, the narrative is, you know, you, you want to kind of hide your age. I believe that the value really is in claiming your age. Yeah, I love that. So what advice would you give those that have suffered for their uniqueness and now lack confidence because of that? It can be a really challenging time as you get older to be in the workplace. The messages around youth culture are everywhere. You know, we see all of this ageism going on in the, in the marketplace, so the jobs marketplace as we get older. You, you talk about suffered for your uniqueness, and I, I kind of underlined that line because it really is a kind of a downward spiral when you feel like you want to make a contribution, you are committed, but somehow you're not kind of fitting into the way they think it should be done. So going back to the idea of finding your value proposition, and doubling down on your niche, it's really important to reframe these negative ideas about who we're told we are, what we've kind of imprinted on ourselves about how we're not the best or we're not suited or we have these issues or whatever that might be. It's really important to examine our limiting beliefs and our stinking thinking as a way of building confidence around who we truly are, what we truly value, what we truly provide in the marketplace. So that would be, you know, my, my advice to people on that when they're feeling discouraged is to just double down on really who you are and define that and really claim it. What is the best way to fight ageism? It's really hard in any ism, as we know, in other areas of our society and our history, it's really hard to fight prejudice because it's so kind of, you know, blindly unaware and evil. And we're just going to frustrate ourselves if we kind of cry out in frustration and say, this is not fair and you should be considering me. And all you have to do is look at IBM as an example, very well-documented example of how IBM, big company, systematically excluded older executives and engineers from their company because they had this kind of drive to recruit younger people at the expense of their older staff. So I believe that in order to deal with ageism, you really have to circumvent it. 
and really double down again on the value that you provide and the solutions that you provide and really focus on that in the work that you're doing to get that job. Because if you're actually filling a need and presenting a really strong argument for why you're the best person to solve that problem, they really don't care how old you are. They just want this thing done. So I would say kind of go right to the heart of what's the real issue here. And of course, present yourself and present the solution in terms that are very present day oriented. Don't kind of dine out on your war stories and talk about how things used to be done or back in my day or whatever. Keep it to the present, keep it real. Really put yourself in the shoes of the hiring manager, of the recruiter, in terms of what it is that they actually need. And be a consultant in that job interview so that you can approach them as if they're a client. So you believe 80% of jobs are not posted online. Why is that? And how do you apply if they're not online? Well, this is really well documented that at least 80% of the job market is filled through referrals and uh, internal hires. You, you, can't, you can't find out what these jobs are because they're not being posted. The way to access those jobs is through your network. And I believe that as you get older and clearer about what it is that you do, what it is that you do well, what it is that you do best, you actually want to be connecting with people who are going to be able to refer you because guess what? How many job postings have you seen that ask for 15, 20, 25 years of experience? Very few, if any. And I, I, I make that challenge when I'm talking to, to groups of, of older professionals and everyone laughs because most of the job postings that we see ask for seven years, 10 years, maybe, maybe 12 years experience. They're looking to hire mostly less experienced uh, professionals for those positions. The positions that older workers want to go for are the ones that are more strategic, require more insight, require a, you know, a much more of a, of a refined approach, which generally is why they are kind of off the table. They're being filled internally, they're being filled through referral. I'm a case in point, when I got my DreamWorks job, there was no job opening, there was no job. I developed relationships within that company at a time where they were growing, and they're the ones that came back to me and said, you know, yeah, you could do a lot of different things around here, and I just kept meeting with them and it took six months for them to figure out where to, to fit me. But the point is they recognized that I was a piece of talent that they should pay attention to. And using your network is the way to make that work for you. So how do you fight being overqualified? Well, I, I wouldn't fight being overqualified. Your qualifications are good. You got to kind of start by feeling like, you know, what I've done and what I can do is good. You shouldn't necessarily hide your qualifications. But you bring up an interesting point because the common criticism that a lot of people hear is, oh, you're overqualified for this position. And I have to say, if you're an older professional and you're applying to a job that's very much like the one that you just left or just got fired from, you got to remember that they're probably looking for someone who is younger and cheaper than you, someone who is kind of like you when you took that job. So 
The challenge really at this later stage in our career is to upgrade our sense of what we can do and the value that we can provide. So you don't want to run away from this overqualified you know, label. You want to understand what is it that I can do that is fitting, befitting for someone who has my level of experience and wisdom and proceed accordingly. So what's one top tip for those 15 up on their resume? I would focus on the last five years, which is what everyone tells you to do, but I would also make sure that you include everything that you've done on your resume in some summarized form. The kind of the slash and burn directive that a lot of career coaches give to people is don't put anything over 10 years on your resume. Mm -hmm. But I think that that defeats the purpose of claiming your experience, claiming your wisdom. If someone is saying, oh, I don't want an experienced person for this position, for whatever reason, it's threatening. They're going to try to take over my job. You know, all sorts of reasons why people are afraid to hire an experienced worker. Well, then you may not want to go to work for that company in any event, because even if you get the job, you're going to be chafing at the bit when you get there. They're going to be really making your life miserable. So first of all, you want to work with a company that appreciates you for the experience that you bring to the table. And at the same time, you want to focus on the most actionable, most recent, most leveraged skill sets and experiences that you can provide to the job today. So you don't want to you don't want to compete with people who are younger who don't have your experience by kind of cutting off that experience at 10 years, right? You want to show that you bring more to the table, but you want to do it in a way that's properly balanced and calibrated to focus on the job at hand. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. What are some of your client success stories? Well, I actually just got an email the other day from a client that I worked with last year who had a really interesting situation. This is a guy who is an engineer, uh, but he was also an entrepreneur. And he was working in an engineering firm that did not recognize his entrepreneurial abilities. And he was really frustrated. And he was looking for a way to either reinvent his job with his company or to position himself so that he could be recognized as a business development and product development leader, as well as just being an engineer. And so we worked out a plan for him to do both, to really focus on the value proposition, look for opportunities within his company to express that and to stand up for that. And at the same time to build his network outside of the company so that while he was continuing to be a loyal employee and promoting the work that he was doing at that company, he was also meeting people who could see what he was doing, hear what he was about and recognize the value that he could provide for them. And after a number of months, something clicked. And he just sent me this note saying that he is just starting to work as a COO for a joint venture in his field that is going to essentially make him into this business development, product development executive while still retaining his vision as an engineer. So that's one. 
I love that. So if you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out on your journey, what would it be? This, this may sound strange, but it's don't wait to feel confident. So don't hang back because you're not sure about whether or not what you're doing is the right thing. Take more risks. Confidence comes last. If you talk to any number of entrepreneurs, they'll tell you that they had a vision, they were driven by the vision, but they weren't necessarily confident. They might have talked a good game, you know, been really good pitchers, fig figured out how to kind of get, get good in a room, but that didn't mean that they were really confident. And confidence I've experienced is something that you kind of get in retrospect. After you've completed something, you've had some successes, then you can feel confident. But up until that point, you know, you're just going on gut and on vision and on energy and on hope. So take more risks. That's great. So John, if there are people that are listening that would love to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? The best way to contact me is through my website at johntarnoff.com. Uh, I also uh, have a, uh, a little uh, career development guide uh, that I would uh, offer to people that they can uh, obtain by going to johntarnoff.com forward slash three steps, the number three, S-T-E-P-S. And I'll kind of give them a sense of what my methodology is about and how my mind works and whether or not uh, we would be a good fit to work together. Perfect. And I'll put all those links down below. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise today. My pleasure. Yes. And if you are listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week.